You're listening to Every Song Has a Story, an independent podcast that aims to provide a platform for artists to talk about their inspirations and their unique process of writing songs. Big City Productions is committed to carrying on the conversation about local art and culture in your community. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the podcast that gives you homework. We hope you've studied the required material. You'll be interested to know that today we have a songwriter from Saskatchewan. Everybody's favorite uncle, a man who is no stranger to putting in a little extra work. He's curated a collection of songs that can get a person dancing as fast as they can get a person contemplating the meaning of life. If you've caught a performance, you can tell right away he's comfortable with the microphone and it's always a special night when he has the guitar in his hands. We had a chance to talk to the psychedelic cowboy himself and talk about some of his secrets to writing a song. He tells us the story behind one of his latest singles. We hope you enjoy, and if you want to reach out, check us out on our Instagram at Every Song Has a Story. Give us some ideas on who we should interview, maybe grab a t-shirt, support us, and we'll support you. We're an independent podcast, and we plan to keep it that way. It was just like the idea of this was so overwhelming that I thought it's impossible. Like, my job as an artist is to push boundaries. And I just hope that people can hear this chat and find a little seed of truth in it. You know, it, you break it down into these, like, extremely easy steps. And before you know it, you've climbed the mountain. Hi, my name is Blake Berglund. I'm a songwriter from the southeast corner of Saskatchewan, and today we're talking about my rewrite of the song Where Have All My Horses Gone. Can you describe the day that the idea for the song came to you? Well, it's funny with this song in particular. I was living in Vancouver in 2010. Um, I lived in Alberta for a while before that, but it was sort of, I felt, I found myself moving further away from Saskatchewan physically, and in doing so, um, my pride and even emotionally I was getting more connected to my province. The further I'd move away, the closer I'd want to be to it. And I was sort of delving into more satirical nature in songwriting, trying to uh, sharpen my wit in my songwriting. And I was sitting in my apartment in Vancouver and I wrote a song called Where Have All My Horses Gone. I had a collection of songs that I was that I was working on to be produced by a specific producer that I I was in contact with over the years. Uh, John Ellis was his name. He did records with Barney Bentall, Dustin Bentall, Leroy Stagger, some, some really profound Canadian artists, and I always wanted to work with him. So this was one of these tunes that I sort of put in the back pocket, and, you know, whether I manifested the opportunity to work with John, but he ended up getting a hold of me. We recorded this song. And in the satirical nature of it, it was very quite dated. It spoke about specific people in 2010. Um, and it's on the internet, and you can go listen to it. And one was about people, Gian Gameshi. And at this time, you know, he was just a... He was what he was with Q, and his his interviewing abilities were what they were, and I sort of name-dropped him in a song, a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. 
And then obviously history plays out and I had this song recorded and it was released in 2012 on a record called Coyote. But there was something about the song that gave me the opportunity to be confident in my platform. I didn't have to say things that I could say things that were difficult if they were done in a way that it was accompanied by humor or accompanied by uh, wit. So this song lived in my catalog up until, you know, I mean, it continues to, but in 2019, there's just so many, I, I ended up, I've lived in Saskatchewan for now almost 10 years. Um, again, I'm from here, obviously, but I, I moved back about 10 years ago. And in 2019, I found myself engaged in politics. I found myself engaged in just different ways of thinking. And I thought, you know, I own this song. I like this song. It definitely needs an upgrade. So I stripped it down to the bare bones. I scrapped all the verses. I kept the chorus. And I rewrote it. Um, and I think as artists, we have the ability to do so. Songwriting is fluid. They can remake movies. I can remake one of my songs. So I recorded it. I did a thing that I called Intercessions, which was sort of a, a live session on the, the lawn of the legislature. What came first, the music or the words? Uh, I have a, a, my own way of writing. Sometimes, usually a good hook. Usually the first thing that I, that I find comes to me is the hook. A good title, a good concept, something that I could build off of. And then a lot of the time, well, those are words, right? The hook has words, unless it's a melodic hook, but usually a lyrical hook is what I, comes to me first. And then in the speaking of those lyrics, there's a natural cadence or a natural melody. And when you just say it or speak it in a bunch of different ways, one way pops out as the superior way to sing it, to speak it, to write it. And then that kind of gives the opportunity for a melody, and then from the melody, I build a support structure in the progression. So usually, and I think, I, I believe in the case of, you know, this song's weird because it was originally written and released in 2010 through 2012, um, but the rewrite, it was the melody and the chorus that I found myself really drawn to, and I didn't want to move away from that melody. I wanted to, in a rewrite of the song, I wanted to keep the hook, obviously, where all my horse was gone is the lyrical hook. So for this one, uh, and it almost has a poem-esque, kind of satirical poem sort of flow to it all. So the words, the hook came first, then the words, then the melodies, and then the supporting chord progression. But two things that really helped me as a lyricist is sort of, I write in puzzle format. So I rarely write one song. I'm usually writing a collection of songs with a similar theme that are to be presented together. So what I find myself doing is two things specifically. Setting a puzzle, I'll get a thousand piece puzzle. It'll be out on a, if I'm in a period of my life where I'm writing lots, there's a puzzle out and I will, I will begin songs outside of setting a puzzle or putting a puzzle together but then when it comes down to trying to find lyrics and trying to find flow in lyrics and you know different ways that different words connect to each other or appear in in other songs I see that as a puzzle I'm a very visual songwriter so by sitting at a thousand piece puzzle or 1500 piece or 500 whatever it may be 
by working at the puzzle, it activates something in my brain where I start to put lyrics together. That's the first thing that I do with when it comes to lyric writing. Secondly, Dr. Mario, man, it sounds so stupid, but I got an old school Nintendo. I play no other games on it other than Dr. Mario. And when I sit down and I'm putting these pills down in order and it just like, it, again, it activates something in my mind where I can sort of be passive in my actions and active in my lyric writing. So setting puzzles, Dr. Mario, writing lyrics, they all work very, very well to me, uh, for me together. What did you learn when you were writing this song? Well, that I, that nobody writes like me, and I don't want that to sound um, arrogant, but it's true, and nobody writes like you, Corbin, and nobody writes like Del Barber or William Prince or Mario Buckley, nobody, or Del Plain, whoever it may be, nobody writes like an individual that has worked at their craft. So I wanted to push myself in that, like what, what experiences do I have, what views do I have what advantages do I have in putting specific lyrics out into the world to a specific um, audience? So I don't want to betray anybody, but I also want to challenge people. Um, so in my songwriting as of lately, I see a serious responsibility, especially with the way, you know, the world's always been a weird place. I can write a certain thing and say a certain thing, and if it's in front of 10 people, 100 people, God willing, the opportunity for 500, 1,000, whatever it may be, I see a responsibility in that, and that's a real good starting point for me. And did you write this song with a specific audience in mind? I think I always write songs with a specific audience in mind. Um, that's become sort of the baseline for me is like, what do I have to say and who am I intending to say it to and why is it important to do so? And a lot of the time it's like, I need to say something for me, obviously. But over the years, I've just found that I've accumulated and acquired and nurtured and, and built an audience that spans many different mindsets and in the creation of different lyrics and different songs, I sort of pick a group that I feel could use maybe a little bit of their heart opened up a little more or maybe be a little tender with their, their outlook on things or a little more empathy. Have you ever performed this song live? Yeah, absolutely. I was in, um, I was in Northern Alberta and I had a bunch of new songs that are pretty politically motivated but again you don't want to betray anybody that I, I don't like the word betray you, you, I want to challenge people to come to the show and I had a room cheering and booing at the same time and this was last summer I played the song for the first time and you know it touches on a few a few topics but it's done with, in good humor um, and challenges the a mindset and I was in I was in Alberta and I had the room booing me and cheering me at the same time and I thought, you know, it doesn't for my motives, it doesn't get any better than this. It's an open dialogue. I'm open to criticism. I want to challenge some mindsets and I cannot please everybody. So it countered really well. And it just sort of like I took that experience 
and brought it back into the studio, brought it back into my writing room, brought it back into my office and been like, if I can get people, you know, getting their two cents from the room as to what they don't agree with, and then another person in the room coming to my defense in real time, I think that's pretty exciting. I always talk about the sport of what we do, the sport of being a touring musician, and that is the sport of being a musician on stage. It's like you don't see it coming, you can set up the plays, but how you engage in that dynamic is is more powerful than the song. You know, the song's the catalyst, and how we interact, and how we communicate, and sort of how we come on the other side of these moments is more important than anything. So I have performed it live, and then there's time and place, right? Like sometimes you don't need to you don't need to challenge an audience. There's different there's different motives in different rooms, but I do enjoy those. I do enjoy the dynamics of a, a very lively audience. And that's it. As the song plays through, I just uh, I wonder what part continues to resonate with you. Um, in the new rewrites, I sort of dig more into my. It all comes from a. It comes from upbringing. I was, I was, there was the line in the second verse of the new rewrite where it says, I was raised to see the farmer's stance as protectors of the land. That's very important to me. That resonates with me right now. Um, and then there's the tongue in cheek stuff, like the opening line I'm a Renaissance agrarianist with a vision for the rising West. You know, I don't even think agrarianist is a word. I really don't. I know that agrarianism is a political ideology that puts agriculture sort of at the forefront of a thought. Um, but agrarianist, you know, that's the liberties of being a songwriter. You get to make up words and if they're, if they're in context then they make sense. So lyrically what resonates in this song was, you know, apart from the content that I mentioned, also just the opportunity to kind of write, a humorous song. It's for me. It's more challenging to write something funny or with wit than it is to write something. I mean, they all have their own challenges, but I like the challenge of writing with with a humor. And it also it kind of humor humor breaks down tension, right? And we live in a tense society with tense ideas and tense opinions, and and I think that. Approaching these opinions and approaching these ideas with a sense of humor is going to be more constructive and um, more constructive than anything. So as far as what resonates with me in this version of this song is, is the, continued, the continued approach at humor and satire. And so what was one of the most challenging aspects getting this song ready to record? But there's always challenges. You know, it has to be relevant to the times like that's always a challenge am i rel and i don't want to approach my songwriting with the idea of like how can i be relevant because that kind of just is a slippery slope always trying to appease the times um but being influenced by them is a different story so i found you know is it offensive i think that Political correctness kills art. I think there's a fine line. I think that to be truly artistic, you might have to throw political correctness out the window. And I do that in this song for the sake of the song and the sake of the potency and the sake of whom I want to connect with, with the language I use in the music. 
uh, or sorry, in the, in the in the songwriting of it. So that was a challenge, just to sort of overcome my own inhibitions um, and approach everything with a sense of confidence. That was by far the biggest challenge was to be able to take the music, take the lyrics, take the message, and be confident in what I'm saying. Where was it recorded? The black and white session video was done on the lawn of the legislature, again, um, for potency, for, for relevance. And then I've been working in my own studio. I've been working with other engineers, doing a lot of the recording of new songs in my own, in my own space. It was, a, it was a big recording breakthrough for me over the last few years. So were there any recording tricks or unique production tricks that were used when you're tracking the song? I hate to say it's easier than you think it is, but if you have, if you have, can capture a good tone with a decent microphone without too much extra noise, that's what it sounds like. You know, you can always add polish to it. You can always add tricks and whatnot, but a little bit of reverb just to bring out just to bring out some warmth and a good performance is what I found is like priority for my producing these days. If I can capture a great performance, then not too much needs to be done after that. And where's the best place that we can like find this song? Well, right now, YouTube, where have all my horses gone? And it pops up a black and white photo of me in front of the legislature in Saskatchewan. So that is the first place to find this song. And if the listeners sit tightly and are patient with me, they'll have a studio version of it out in probably 2023. And so next question, like what can we expect from you in the future? So I'm currently working on actually some pre-sales uh, on a few things that are just private because I thought that would be maybe a little more of an interesting way to do things just on sort of the down low. Um, but yeah, you can absolutely expect new music from me in 2023. Do you want to mention your writing at all? Um, BlakeBerlin.com kind of became a blog-based website opposed to, hey guys, this is where I'm playing on Saturday night. So the Substack, Substack is this, it's it's not too new, it might even be 10 years old, I don't know, but it's, it's gained some popularity as a place to publish uh, long-form thought. And in the beginning of it, I said, you know, this is the greater liner notes. There's music to come, there's my opinion in the music to come, and maybe this Substack is what gives it all context. And so that Substack, it's good for insight into what I'm doing. I believe that we're going to have changes in our society but through stories. I think that's the most effective. I love the Substack for myself as a discipline, and I've received some really good feedback from readers. And, you know, it's about, I'm trying to grow some subscriptions and emails, and and that's been that's been working in my favor as well. So it's uh, it's been a nice experiment that is going to, is going to continue. It has been difficult and has been so rewarding for me. Um, and to hear that, you know, you connected with you or, or people that you've shown it to, I just, I really can't properly express my gratitude. Do you want to shout out to anyone? I saw Ellen Fraze open up for Mariel Buckley at the Artesian last week. And Ellen, I mean, Mariel was great and she always has been great. And Ellen blew the roof off the place. 
she's one of those people in our province that is just is going somewhere. So I just encourage everybody, you, you know, you find someone that's resonating with you, be the one to share them, be the one to be a part of their story, be a part of launching their career. It was just like the idea of this was so overwhelming that I thought it's impossible. Like my job as an artist is to push boundaries. And I just hope that people can hear this chat and find a little seed of truth in it. You know, it, you break it down into these like extremely easy steps. And before you know it, you've climbed the mountain. Hey everybody, this is Blake Berglund and you're listening to Every Song Has a Story with Big City Productions.